0: Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's word. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts as I preach to you uh, the second message in a series I didn't know I started. Acts chapter 20. We're going to read uh, verse uh, 24, then we'll go to, thank you, worship team. For preparing and laying the red carpet to the throne for us tonight, we'll go 2 Timothy chapter four, and uh, we do have notes for you. They're being passed around. So I, I preached uh, recently a message called "Stay the Course." It's actually a battle term that you finish the battle that you're in, move all the way through. It's a military term is where it originated from. So this one's entitled "Finish the Course." Say the course, finish it. Everybody say, finish it. Okay, Acts 20 and verse 24. Again, we do have notes. We'd
1: encourage you to go ahead and uh, fill those in as we move along. Acts 20, verse 24. New King James, I will read from to start. But none of these things moved me nor do I count my life dear to myself
0: so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to
1: testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Turn to 2 Timothy Chapter 4, find verse 6, please. The Apostle Paul writing says in verse 6,
0: For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and only not me only, but also all
1: who have loved His appearing. Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me,
0: having loved this present world, and departed for Thessalonica. Concerns for Galatia and Titus, verse eleven. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark. I want you to say that. Get Mark
1: and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. Father, you're amazing.
0: (laughs) Come and mess us up in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I grew up playing sports. Past that love for sports is passed on to by my father and uh, to all of his sons. There's three brothers. I have one here in the front, Brother Chris. And uh, we love sports. We love playing sports, love hitting people in sports, and love contact sports especially. wrestled, played lacrosse. I ran cross country. I've done a bunch of different things. How many of you played sports? I, I was seriously offended and had to get healing. Came to an altar and got prayed for when somebody called me a decommissioned athlete. They said, "Well, you know, the D, de- you're a decommissioned athlete, so you need to be careful." I said, "Excuse me, I'm not decommissioned. <laughs> you must be talking about somebody else." In competing in sports, you don't win until you cross the line. In a foot race in a cross country race. You, you have, to, you have to pass the baton well. Somebody has to take that in a relay race. The winner is the one who crosses the line first. And I think about football. I think about lacrosse and how during those games, you know, the fourth quarter, we would train and practice for the fourth quarter. And all the teams that I was a part of, we were always fourth quarter teams. Didn't go to school at big schools, whatever were smaller schools. But I had coaches, uh, one of which that I will never forget. His name was Dave Reese. He's a professional hockey player. And he trained us like we were professional sports athletes, which we hated him for on one level. However, when it came to the fourth quarter and the other team was bleeding and we won, we always appreciated him. We, were out, we out-conditioned, out-ran them, out-hit them, out-skilled them. And sometimes playing schools with twice and three times the size of the roster we would still win because in the fourth quarter, we just learned to handle pain well somehow. And I guess it was the amazing grace of God. And I had the joy of being on a championship team and, you know, winning the whole, the whole region. And it was, it was. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget that. I didn't play my best game, but we won anyway. And wrestling, when your your shoulders about to be pinned and you feel like all your muscles are being ripped out, you fight.
1: The same is true in life, that you're going to have to finish. It's not how fast you run. It's whether you finish the race. And long-term success in life in ministry in marriage, long-term success in business is dependent upon many things. There's trials, there's pressures, there's failures, there's conflicts. There's all kinds of things that come
0: our way. I have purposed in my heart. I say it numerous times during the week. I am going to finish my course. I am going to finish the race. I am going to finish what God made me for. I'm not going to leave. God, help me. That's my desire.
1: But without God, it's impossible, of course. But with Him, nothing's impossible. I remember running and um, just not able to. Not able to do it. You know, it was cross country, got to the end,
0: pushed myself too hard in the front part, get to the end, and it's time to kick. You know, it's the final final mile. And just running out of gas. And then, I don't, actually, it's a true story. It was uh, It was a tri-state meet, Massachusetts, New York, and Connecticut. I was the first, it was the first big race I was running in, and they expected me to do nothing. It was the first year I'd ever run, I quit football out of rebellion. It wasn't a good idea. I started running, and somehow I had some speed. It's, it's like the last three quarters of a mile, and I turn the corner, and I have no idea where I am in the field, but I know I'm ahead of most people. I turn the corner, and some guy is holding a, a box. Now, that would be like a large like JVC, two speakers, radio. It's called a box, You know, a boom box. You remember those? Come on, you remember those 70s, 80s? Anybody can remember the 80s. You remember that? Remember that JVC boombox you had? That thing was legit. You remember? Anyway, someone holding these monster. Remember, and they used to like walk, and, walk the street. And be like, yeah, does anybody remember that? Yeah. Okay. So I turn this corner, and there's this guy holding a boombox playing the theme song to Rocky. ta, 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 ta And something hit me. I was like, ah! And ever, I got a second wind, and I sprinted almost the entire round. And I came in, I think I came in 12th. My coach lost his mind. Like, when he saw me come in 12th, I beat our whole team. I, was, I mean, it was an amazing feat. I mean, 12th, so Like I didn't win. But I should have been, like, in the 50s somehow I ran the best race of my life. I got this second wind when I heard dun 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 Come on, some of you felt that right there. Adrian! All right. Some of you need to catch your second wind tonight. Some of you need to catch a fresh wind of the power of the Holy Ghost so that you would finish your course, so that you would run your race, so that you won't give up. And the truth is, we need a second window regularly. I think God gave us one tonight. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Woo, all right, look at the text. Acts 20, verse 24. Now, this is the New International Version. says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to
1: me. Well, that's, that's far different than this narcissistic age we're living in. My only aim is to finish the race. His passion, his
0: driving passion was to fulfill what God called him to do. His driving passion, the apostle Paul's passion for his life, was to finish the race. Come on, someone say, I'm going to finish, man. I don't even want to finish. I want to win. The truth is, if you finish, we're all winners. I read read the back of the book. We all win. But if you don't finish, you don't win. you got to finish. He defines the race as completing the task that the Lord Jesus has given him. That's how he defines finishing the race. He defines finishing the race, not making money, not having fame, not having fortune, not having lights, your, your name and lights. It's none of those things. His job was to finish the race, the call, the passion for which God had called him and to finish that. And he He did. And he, he defines how to finish the race. Go to Second Timothy now. This text, verse six through eleven. He said his his view of death. Are you all there? Second
1: Timothy. Chapter uh, what? Chapter four, verse. Thank you. I'm poured out as a drink offering. I fought the good fight. Oh, pardon me.
0: The time of my departure. I want you to say that. The time of my departure. Okay, so what is he talking about? He's talking about dying. The time. The word time, numerous words of the Greek for time. This particular usage here is Kairos. And what, what I'm what I'm pointing to here is what the apostle Paul is saying that his death is, is upon him. That's not what's happening when we read Acts Acts 20. But here in 2
1: Timothy, he knows, his view of death is that it's on time. You have an appointment with death, but if you're a believer, you, I want you to begin to believe that your life will
0: not be taken before you're supposed to go. I'm thankful I'm going to go. Oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the shout. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this earth in full strength of the rapture. I'm not sure. I'm declaring I'm going to preach, pray, and prophesy till I'm 120. I mean, I, I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I will not be taken out by COVID. I will not be taken out by an accident. I will not be taken before my time. I, I declare that. The Apostle Paul is saying the kairos, kairos, the time, that's time and destiny. That's not an ambiguous kind of time. It's 3 in the afternoon. When? It's just 3 in the afternoon any day. It's not what he's saying. He's saying the exact moment of my departure, the God-ordained moment by which I'm supposed to graduate and go to heaven is upon me. So he knows the exact time. I don't know how long you're going to live. Like I said, I'm going for, I'm, I'm, I just keep saying that. I don't want to be a decrepit 120. I want to be full strength. And then, we had Pastor Alcantar that lived to 106 years old. He came on our staff at 80. 80 years old. He lived to 106. Somebody says, I'm too old to start the ministry. Well, are you 80? I mean, he did it at 80. Caleb, Caleb, Moses, a lot of people started at 80. (laughs) Hey. So if you're in your 50s, get to work. If you're in your 70s, get to work. But all of us, none of us know how long we're going to live. That's why I think the greatest advice I ever heard on preaching and this is for all of you pastors, preachers, teachers, all 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 literally, literally if you have a song, it's time to sing it. If you have a gift, it's time to use it. It really fits for anybody. And this is the the this is the only moment you have. We do not know what's going to happen 20 minutes from now. Listen, we're very close, closer certainly than when we first believed to Jesus' return. He's going to split the eastern sky one day. We're going at the trumpet sound. We are going. Some of you right now wouldn't go past a roof.
1: Smile at me. All of us are going to die. I don't know if you've ever
0: heard the story, but I've heard it many, many times. Uh, Dan Morocco uh, If I recall correctly, Dan Morocco's Dr. James Morocco, our global senior pastor's father who went to be with the Lord in 1986. But he was was sick many years before that and they thought he was gonna die and he lived. And the Lord spoke to him and told him how many more years he was gonna give him. So he knew he had seen when he was gonna graduate and go to the Lord. And it was when he was 70 years old. And his family knew about it. And it just, it's going to go home. And so at 70 years old, in his sleep, he went to go be with the Lord. Dr. Morocco said to his mother, Mom, you want me to come back and raise him up from the dead? I love what Esther Morocco said. She said, Jimmy, why would you do that? I said, well, just raise him up from the dead. He he's, he's finally in the place that he's wanted to be all his life. He's finally into his reward. Why would you want to pull him out of there? Back down to this cesspool. So Dr. Morocco let him stay. For which I'm sure his father was very appreciative. Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed unto men once to die, and after that, the judgment. You have one life to live. I don't care what they taught you in the, the psychic school that you attended. At Hogwarts or Horgwarts or whatever you—I mean—you're not going to come back as a rabbit and work it out. You have one life, one. You have one. Eastern Eastern thought and religion is not what we believe. And he saw his life ending as a departure. Verse six. That word is an interesting word. And um, listen, for all of you that want to go a little bit deeper, let me just tell you a really sweet app that I use. It's called the Loaded Bible. And it's free. You can download it. And on the Loaded Bible, it has word studies. It's in the, I think it's just in the King James, there's word studies. So when you go and you tap this, you could tap this word departure. So you can look at the Loaded Bible and maybe they can thank me later for pushing people to their app. But it's a great app because. You know, you might not have a library, and you need to learn, you know, how to use tools. It's a a great app for preachers. It's a great thing to be able to tap and look. And not all the words are broken down, but departure's broken down. And as I look at that in the Greek, the Koine Greek, you look at departure, one, it's the unyoking of an animal. So I have a black lab that can run like 100 miles an hour. It lives to throw a ball. Clearly, that is what its passion is. Somehow, when it, if it thinks it's going outside, it is on. I mean, the dog is just like eyes of fire and it starts panting, and it's just, ah, yes. But like when you come in afterwards, it's like somebody flips a switch and the dog just curls up by the fire and it's just all chill. When that dog, if you can imagine a dog on a leash that just can't wait. Like a greyhound that's chasing a rabbit, or or a black lab that's gonna go go get a duck, or or I, you know whatever picture you want, and you have that 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 animal on a leash, and it's just pulling, it's just like, let me go, and you, and you let it go. <laughs> that would be a departure. That's what that word means—to untie, to un, unyoke an animal. It's the loosing of a bond or a fetter, and uh, like woven things, it's if something if a, if fabric is woven. To depart would be to unravel that entire thing. It's another picture of what it means to be departed or to departure. Uh, Thirdly, it's it's loosing the ropes of a tent, the moorings of a ship, and if you want to write this below that, it's loosing a sail. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a sail that's full of wind and pulling a vessel, and then you uncleat that and let that sheet out. I said sheet, that's the rope. <laughs> Renew your mind, come on. <laughs> you let the rope out. I, I remember somebody said, don't ever call it rope, it's line. Okay, It's a sailor terminology. But it's a picture of letting the line out, the sheet of a, of a sail, and that sail just going out. That's, that's the other picture. And he's saying the time of my... <laughs> departure is upon me, the specific time. And his view of life, Paul saw his life as an act of worship to God. He writes in Romans, and, and we should go there. Can, can you put Romans 12, verse 1 and 2? Put this up. Go there. His view of worship, pardon me, his view of his life is, is a, a life of worship. What are you laughing at? Your hair looks really cool tonight. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true, just leave verse 1 up, your true and proper worship. It's a reasonable thing to do. Considering what he's done, considering his death, considering his resurrection, then your whole life, actually the word worship is lurteo, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it, but it means service. But service has also defined worship. See, some of you think that worship is singing. It's your whole life. When you consider what he's done, then every aspect of your life actually belongs to him. And the reasonable thing to do in view of his mercy, mercy, in view of God's mercy, is to offer your body as a living sacrifice, literally to be an act of worship in your words, in your deeds, in your actions, day in, day out, in church, out of church, a lifestyle of service, a lifestyle of luteo, a lifestyle of worship. So he viewed his life as an act of worship. Come on, someone say my life's an act of worship. Okay, that's actually the right way to do that. He says, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. And I don't know if you remember that, he's referring, I believe, to David when David longed for a drink from the well at Bethlehem. And... His men went to go get him the drink, and when they brought it back, or they risked their lives. He said, this is, this is too precious, and he poured it out as an offering unto the Lord. He's saying, that's what I'm like. I'm being poured out like a, like a drink offering. And in 1 Peter, you know, he realizes he's going to die, and life is a fight. I want you to say that. Life is a fight. I don't know who ever told you that it's just supposed to be cute and smooth and nice. No, it's a battle, baby. And you got to learn to buck up. you got to learn to gird your loins, lace up your gloves, and war with the warfare that God has given us. Wage a good warfare over the prophetic word. Declare the kingdom of God. Come on, put on the full armor of God. And somebody, somebody say, I'm going to pull on the full armor. Yeah, and don't ever take it off. I don't even remember in the 80s, it was like now every day you need to get up and put on your helmet to salvation. You put that helmet on, and then you get your, your shorter spirit. <laughs> you get that shorter spirit, and your feet got to be shods. Come on, shods those feet. The preparation of gospel feet. <laughs> now, they might not have sounded like that, but I'm, listen, put the armor on. Don't ever take it off, okay? You don't have to put it on every morning. Declare that you're wearing it and understand the components of it. And there's some tremendous teaching out there about that. Life is a fight and a race, right in your notes. And the end result is that he kept the faith. He kept the faith. He didn't, fa- he didn't give up. He finished. He finished the course. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna finish my course. From these two texts, we see that the Apostle Paul saw the race as fulfilling God's will for his life. Every single person here under the sound of my voice, all those that will listen in the future, God has a specific plan and a specific purpose for the reason that you're breathing. And what you want to do is fulfill that. And I will tell you that there is nothing that will satisfy you greater than fulfilling your God-given purpose. That he made you in your mother's womb, knit you together, and he's got a plan and a purpose for you. Not to harm you, but to help you. you call on him, and he answers you, and he brings you into rich fulfillment and destiny and purpose. God has a plan for each. Come on, someone say God's got a... Raise your right hand and say, God's got a plan for me. Try it again. Try, raise your left hand if you want to. God's got a, a plan for me, and I'm going to finish it. There's there's a mistaken idea that that God just does the plan and the U.F. don't have anything to do with it. Well, that's clearly not what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying there's a fight I fought by the grace of God I won I finished a race by faith I finished. Listen, you have your responsibility. You can receive a powerful prophetic word like you just got, one that God's already spoken to you, Both spoken to both of you, given you some plans. But if you don't get off your duff, it ain't going to happen by, by some wind that blew in, you know, and, and your hair looking good. you got to do your part, and you are. So many people want God just to come and just, Lord, just going to do it for me. No, he isn't. No, no, he partners with you. You have to yoke with him. you got to get a job. You, you got to work. Let's have a praise break because I'm not feeling the love right there. Come on. Oh, come on. We're not on, a go- we're, not, we're not on a golf course. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hey. All right. Paul saw the race is fulfilling God's will for his life. The course is fulfilling his will. And it's seen in his call. Here we go, some some scripture. Acts 26. Then I asked, verse 15. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you're persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and a witness of of what you have seen and what you will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes. Listen closely. Verse 18. This is what we do. This is what we're, we're about. To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And he's talking to King Agrippa and he says this. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I did not disobey. I've done everything I can. To this day, I stand before you. Can you say that about your call, about, your, about the plan that God has for your life?
1: Was seen as his call? Acts 9, 15. Oh, my. The Lord said to Ananias,
0: Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles, to their kings, and to the people of Israel. He saw his course, he saw his race as fulfilling the call of God. So if you, if you didn't catch that, that is your race, is to fulfill, to fulfill, to finish what God has called you to. Well, I'm not sure what that is. Stick around, read your Bible, pray, let God speak to you, let God show you. There's some very clear things we know to do. We know to worship him. We know to repent. We know to to ask for forgiveness, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We know certain things are very clear, but then in that, I mean, do you go start that business? Do you do you do you pastor? Are are you an evangelist? I mean, where are your gifts? Which way am I supposed to be used? What am I supposed to do? He'll lead you in those areas that are somewhat gray. If you make pray, please listen to what I'm about to tell you. Bump your neighbor and wake him up for a second. Come on, wake him up. You ready? All right. If you make Jesus your goal, you will never miss your destiny. You become more like him. See how big a heart you can get for God. See how you can grow in the knowledge of God. See, what you, see, how, how, see how much you can obey him. 100% obedience. Try that tonight and tomorrow. And when you do that, you'll see the plan of God unfold. I was walking down this aisle over here, and I started quoting a scripture. I think it's in Philippians. He causes us to will and act according to his good purpose. I'm, I'm so grateful for that. It's one of the ways that he leads us. I just feel like I want to. Start a church in Anchorage. So I'm gonna. Because I just see, it's starting to see his fingerprints all over. We gotta start in Anchorage. Bless those people. Gotta get some people converted over there. Get some, get some, uh, Jesus, help me.
1: Anchorage needs a move of God.
0: The reason there's so much nonsense in politics is we've lost a whole generation because the church was asleep not fulfilling the mandate, not running the race, not finishing the course, preaching sermonettes, making Christianettes with people that had no purpose, that lulled into the arms of the enemy and didn't fulfill anything. That is not the hour we're in. The hour we're in is where God is calling men and women and children to rise in their God-given, blood-bought purpose and begin to execute the plan of God for their life and for a nation. I believe God's fi- found some people in Alaska. Can you say amen? Amen. He saw, it was seen in obeying the voice of the Lord. Acts 22, I'm I'm out of time. Put the scriptures up if you have them. Acts 22, 21.
1: Acts 23, 11. Acts 18, 9. It was seen in his sensitivity, the Holy Spirit's prompting. You'll see that in Acts
0: 16. You'll see it in Acts 20. He was open to, uh, he was seen in being opened for counsel. Now, I love this. Here's the Apostle Paul, and understand the Apostle Paul. He was discipled by Camille, the greatest teacher there was the greatest Pharisees. He was, was talked about in history as being one of the greatest Pharisees and scholarly minds in the Torah that there ever was. And that was his pastor, if I could say it that way. That was his rabbi. That's who taught him. This Apostle Paul guy was not some slouch, extremely educated full of zeal, full, of, full of, of desire to do something for the Lord. And in doing that, he persecuted the church until God woke him up and showed him the real meaning of all the Old Testament, which is types and shadows of the greater things to come. And he revealed himself even in the text we read in Acts 9, that he was Jesus, the Messiah, who he was persecuting. And the apostle Paul knew more scripture than all the other, I'm just telling you, than all the other apostles, at least in the natural, that we can see, that we know about educationally. And yet, in Galatians 2, which I just preached on, Galatians 2, he, he says, I went up, by verse 2, by revelation and communicated the gospel, which I had preached to the Gentiles, but privately to them, which were of reputation, or those who were, the New King James says, those who were esteemed as leaders. So he goes And let me just blow it out to make the picture. He's twice as smart as everybody else. He's putting all kinds of points on the board, and he goes and he submits to them and their authority. Hey, guys, I just want to make sure that I don't get derailed. This is a part of the last message I preached. This is like part two. I want to stay the course. I want to finish my course. Are we good? Because I want to make sure I'm not messed up on preaching the gospel here. This is somebody that knows way more than the leaders he's submitting to. I love that. You know why? Because it's seen his call and finishing the race. You need counsel to help you to do it. And the Apostle Paul, he didn't have to do that, did he? But he did. Because I'm going to tell you, if you think you can finish the course that God's got for you without other people, that's some other course, but that's not his. Because his course is so big, so broad, so that you're meant to run it with others. You're meant to do it with other people. You're meant to do it locked arm in arm. In fact, the, the whole, the whole uh, uh, Roman army, the armor of the Roman soldier, put on the full armor of God, it actually doesn't work that well by itself. It's supposed to work in conjunction with other people. And I've done illustrations where... All the Studley guys come and lock arms, and we all have shields. I've done some illustrations like that. and And you fight together since you're, since you're you know you are fighting together even for decades. And you, you know how he throws a, you know how he throws a javelin or holds his spear, and you, you know the weaknesses and strengths of the guys to the right and the left of you in rank. And so as you're moving forward, you know when the one guy's got too many arrows in his shield or how he looks, what is, he's got that old shoulder injury from a previous battle and you see that shield start to get lower or maybe he takes a shot. Then the other two guys step over and block shots for him. The strength of the of the army of, of God is that we get to do it together. There are moments, there's moments where you're in your Gethsemane and you can't find your pastor. You can't find your, your, your life group leader. You can't find your team leader. You can call whoever you want, and put something up on Facebook, but you're all alone in the midnight hour, and there's moments like that, but mostly, you do it together. You do it together. And the Apostle Paul, he knew that. Will you finish strong, as I bring this to a close? Will you finish strong? You say, know that's right.
1: Okay, I hope so. Because you gotta, that's an everyday decision. Now, we read this Demas Demas is Paul's Judas. That's right.
0: You know who Judas was. You say, well, I got one of them. Well, there was no resurrection without a Judas, so there's no crucifixion, no resurrection. There's a Judas. You got a Judas in your life? Love your enemies. Bless those who persecute you, for great is your reward in heaven. You love them. Don't marry them. I said, don't don't marry Judas. You pray. Demas is a man uh, mentioned by the Apostle Paul here in the New Testament. In the Pauline epistles, there's three different places. In Philemon chapter 1 and 24, he's mentioned as a fellow worker. He's a fellow worker. So he's not some scrub. He's, He's some guy. You see his name throughout the New Testament. In Colossians, he's mentioned along with Luke, the physician, and the writer, Luke is the writer of the book of Luke. (laughs) He's also the writer of the book of Acts. And so he's
1: mentioned along with Luke. Wow. In 2 Timothy, which we just read, it says that, I mean, this is so sad. Here's a
0: guy, he's born again, I guarantee you, spirit filled, tongue talking in the ministry, flowing with the Apostle Paul. Pretty serious ministry. For Demas has forsaken me. Listen closely. Having loved this present world and departed. Okay, okay, there's that word departed again. Departed for Thessalonica. He went to Vegas. And he didn't go for the buffets and for the good shopping. Demas forsook the call of the Lord because he loved this present world. I have seen it over and over and over and over again. The world will seduce you. Try to draw you in. Money, fame, fortune. The world will try to draw you in. And then all oh, that Christian thing, that should, you're just a little uptight. You're a little hyper-spiritual. Can't you just settle down a little bit? No, I'm not going to settle down. My kids tell me I've got no chill. I'm, I'm thankful I have none. That's right. I'm chilling when I sleep. And yet that has to be tempered with the love of God, and I'm working on that. So help me God. How many of you know you can be so intense you just peel people's faces off, and that's not so good? Come on, Minister David. Amen. I'm praying for you, bro. All right. You know, it's interesting. How many of you ever read Pilgrim's Progress, and I'm almost done? Keys, please.
1: How many of you ever read Pilgrim's Progress? Chanel, would you play the keys, please? Pilgrim's Progress,
0: uh, I think everybody should read it. And it's an allegory, and it used to be mandatory reading. She's played the keys before. Don't stare at her. I'm right here. (laughs) Pilgrim's Progress. uh, John Bunyan. B-U-N-Y-A-N. Ooh. Demas was a deceiver. Demas is an actual character in the book Pilgrim's Progress. Some of you know a Demas? They just, they were serving God, but they're like, like he's sitting next to me. I'm not going to raise my hand. Okay. Well, praise God, you got to hear this service. We don't know. We never hear from him again. And I, I did some history. Couldn't figure it out. I spent a little bit of time trying to hunt back, hunt down the life of Demas in Vegas. I couldn't find anything. Thessalonica. It's a major city in Greece. So he we went there. He loved the world, and he, he, he rejected Paul. And he's forever known as being Paul's Judas. I'm not doing that. I'm on purpose to not do that. That's the story of Demas. Then the story of Mark. And he says, get Mark and bring him here with you. Oh, I, can hardly, I can hardly handle the story of Mark. In Acts 13, please listen. If you never listen to anything else, just listen to this, okay? In Acts 13, Mark goes on a missionary journey. And uh, he's with Paul and uh, Barnabas. And they, they come across a man by the name of uh, Bar-Jesus. And, and he's perverting. He's trying to keep the proconsul from getting born again. And Paul's preaching. And, the, and this, I think it's bar Jesus. You need to go look. He's trying to pervert the gospel, and the apostle Paul says, that's it. You're going to be blind. That's it. How, how long will you pervert the things of the Lord? You're going to be blind. He prays judgment. This is the New Testament. Plays judgment down on the guy, and a mist comes over his eyes, and he's blind. And I don't know what that would be like. I mean, he just freaked out. I think he freaked out and screamed. Well, we know that Mark was with him and we don't really hear much about Mark except that we know he left and abandoned the Apostle Paul. And I believe, now I, don't, I can't prove it, but I believe that, that Mark got so freaked out by the mist and all of that and everything that he like took off on the mission team. Listen, if you take off on a mission team and you abandon, you abandon your brothers and you take off, you go to Vegas. Now, Mark didn't go to Vegas, but I thought it was funny. Anyway, he runs away, and we don't hear much about him. Then now go to, go to Acts 15. Now, in Acts 15, in Acts 15, there's this biblical proportion argument because Barnabas, the son of encouragement, wants to take this young man. You all there? Acts fifteen, uh, in the latter part,
1: they have this huge argument because Paul's
0: not taking him. I'm not taking, I'm not taking Mark. We're not taking him. We're not bringing him. He abandoned the trip. He left us. He's chicken. He's a turncoat. He's a Demas. He's a Judas. He failed. That doesn't say that, but I'm trying to fill in the blank a little bit for you. I'm not bringing somebody on my team that left me in the ditch last time we were there. But thank God for the Barnabases. And, and the text, I believe it's verse uh, 30, 37, Paul and Stitz they should not take with them. The one who had departed, oh, we do know the area, I'm so sorry, Pamphylia. And not going to work with them. Then the contention became so sharp, verse 39, that they parted from one another. In other words, Paul and Barnabas argue, and he's like, we're bringing them, Paul. Paul's like, there's no way. And they argue, and they're like, that's it. You go your own way, but I ain't going with you. And uh, that's it. You go on your own stinking missionary journey. You know, the first century had arguments too. This is a serious argument, and it says here that Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, which is the same region. Now let me watch this. Now, the word "took" means to join himself to. It's to join himself to. So, so Barnabas says, "We're bringing him," and Paul's like, "No way." He's like, "Oh yeah, we're bringing him." And they're like, no, you go on your own journey, but we're going on ours. And he takes Mark, and he pulls him up, and to to took is, it's not, hey, you're coming with me. It's it's this picture, put your arm around me if you will. It's this picture that I am now joined to you. (laughs) Oh my. The joke of it is, it's so true. You're no Mark. We are joined. Well, I mean that. You weren't somebody that turned to hit. Well, maybe you were, Mark. Well, this is like a prophetic thing right here. How cool. Gosh, that's crazy that the Lord would do something like that. Because you, you did. You turned for ministry. And you were done. then God brought you in here with a crazy, bald-headed Barnabas. By the miracle power of God. By the grace of God. And I think back about people who took me. And what that means is to join himself to, and we're going to do this thing. And he says, you know what? You might have failed that last time. But we're going right back to the place that, 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 that freaked you out. We're gonna face those fears. We're gonna get this thing done. And you know what happens with John Mark is his name. What happens is he ends up writing. He's Peter's amanuensis. He writes the stories of Peter. He's the writer of the book of Mark. Thank you. Put your hands together for Mark. And then in the end, listen, at the end, at the end here, I gotta, I gotta close. My time's up. At the end, Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, would you bring me Mark? Because he's very useful. Wow, what a transformation. Someone who couldn't be counted on would all, listen, listen, John Mark, he saw the miracles of Jesus. He saw the blind see. He saw the lame walk. He saw, listen, go study this out. He saw the feeding of the 5,000. He saw the feeding of the 4,000. He saw all of that. And what all of that could not do in this guy, John Mark. What deep mentoring and discipleship adjoining to a brother in Christ made him Mark that is then called on by the Apostle Paul. I'm telling you, we are all in process. Not only are you going to stay the course, but you're going to finish the course. And Mark finished the course. I mean, he did. I'm going to finish my course. I'm going to stay the course. Am I yelling? I feel strongly about it. I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to finish the course. And I thank God for the Barnabases in my life. Commit yourself to do the will of God. Commit to do the will of God. Nothing will satisfy you but doing God's will. And if you try to fill that hole with something else, then you can take another lap around the mountain. Come on, listen to your pastor. Listen. Do God's will. Plug in. Get in a team. Get get a part of a team. Get a part of a life group. Serve in some capacity. Learn the word. Learn to witness. Learn to share your faith. Learn to pray. Learn to fulfill God's plan for you because nothing will satisfy you. There's no money. There's no fame. There's no fortune. Nothing can satisfy you but Jesus. Nothing. 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 It'll leave you utterly broken. And once you've tasted and seen that he's good, everything else is like chalk. Commit yourself to do the will of God in how you live, in seeking God's will. Powerful word. Stand up on your feet. Put your hands together for Jesus. Will you do it? Will you finish the course? Come on, say, I'm going to finish the, come on, say, I'm going to finish the, I can't hear you. I'm going to finish the course. I'm going to finish my, i want to stay the course. I'm going to finish the course. Two-part series that I didn't know I was stumbling into. Let's fulfill God's plan for our life. Every head bowed, every eye closed in the closing moments of this service. If you're not right with God, do not leave this building. Don't turn off this broadcast. Keep your phone on, your computer on. If you're not right with God, do not leave this place without getting right with him. Because there is a time of your departure. There is a time of my departure. None of us know when that is. And that car could have taken out my wife, and you'd have gone straight to heaven, and we would have seen you later. But in God's mercy and grace, it devours rebuked. but I'm telling you, no one knows. And if you're not settled, to you say, I'm not ready. Yeah, the devil makes sure you're never ready. And let me just tell you something. You don't fix yourself up Then you come to church. You come just broken, messed up, jacked up. I don't care if you're on drugs, you're a prostitute, or you're a pimp. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care if you've been going to church for 20 or 30 years. If you've never made a decision for Christ, you need to make it tonight. You need to do it tonight. Why? Because God's plan for you will never come about without that first step. Every head bowed, every eye closed, those online. Man, I feel the Holy Spirit tonight. You say, that's me, Pastor. You want to get right with God for the first time. Never received Jesus, never prayed a prayer to believe on the Lord and repent of your sin. You want to receive Jesus for the first time, or secondly, you want to recommit because you drifted. If that's you, you fit in any of those categories, give your heart to Jesus. You've never done it before, and you're going to do it tonight. You said, I've had people that are like smoking crack, and they say, yeah, I've been living for Jesus all my life. Okay, that, I don't know what Jesus that is, but this is, this is a different Jesus. Once you get born again, you know you're born again. You know you're saved. You no longer continue in sin. You begin to fight it. You, you, you get set free. It's not that you don't fight. You fight. You never give in your heart to Jesus or you want to recommit All across this place, those online, the count of three, slip your hand up. One, two, three. Do it now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Raise your hand high. All the way in the back. God bless you. Praise God. God bless you. Wonderful. Pray this prayer with me. And after you pray this prayer on your way out, you stop at the at the next steps desk and one of our team will help you get information to grow in God because you'll be like a little baby you're going to grow get big and strong fulfill and finish the course pray this prayer with me all across this place those online say dear heavenly father thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place to rise again from the grave for me forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Would you lift your hands as a universal sign of surrender to God. Holy Spirit, come touch now. Raise up an army. Raise up an army in our midst. I call in by declaration and by the word of the Lord. I call in leaders and laborers and workers. I call in those who even were like a demas but woke up, or like a mark, I should say, and woke up and came back into the house. I call in those, not unlike Pastor Gil not unlike those who've been disillusioned and hurting and wounded. Give us your huddled masses, God, as it it says in the Statue of Liberty. Give us the broken, hurting people. Give us the rich, the lame, the halt, the broken, the poor, and everything in between. God, give us a harvest of souls and raise up an army of people that'll stay the course, and finish the course. Put it in us like that, that we will fulfill. Come on, raise your right hand to God if you're serious about it. And say, God, I will fulfill the plan that you have for my life. I need your help. I need the help of others. Give me a hunger for your word. Fill me full of your spirit. And use me to bring much glory to your name. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. I declare these things in the name of Jesus. Give a shout to God all across this place. Oh, come on. Come on. Hey. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance towards you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. We love you. We'll hope to see you tomorrow, 10.30. We'll be praying in the new year. If you would kindly go... Get your your kinfolk. God bless you tonight.
1: Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is
0: impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com.
1: Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.